to let people know that once again, because we popped offline here for a second. To the people that have this expectation that you can never lose, you can never have a blemish, you can never do anything wrong, nothing can ever not work out, it always has to work, it always has to go through, it always has to be perfect. That's not how life is. Nobody is right 100% of the time. Nobody wins 100% of the time. If every team won 100% of the time, then no teams would lose, and that doesn't make any sense because they play each other. So the reality that we live in is that there is this constant need to delete, delete and start over, delete and start over, delete and start over. And that's not how life goes, PJ. And I feel like with Aaron Boone, when we take a look at him, for instance, you know, the Yankee fans have an expectation. Yankee fans believe that they should be in the postseason 100% of the time. They don't believe that there should ever be a blemish. There should ever be anything wrong. The New York Yankees believe that they are a playoff team every single season. And so when they don't make the playoffs, there's this immediate, let's just get rid of everything. Let's start over. Let's go get Shohei Otani. Let's throw all these pitchers in the garbage. I mean, how how do you view this? Because this is, you know, this is life to a lot of people. This is where we're at in a lot of situations. The the demand to always win and understanding that that doesn't always happen for everybody out there, yet there's this expectation, especially when we look at the New York Yankees, that they have to win all the time. Well, it's, it's unreasonable, of course. Uh, for all those people who are saying that, look at the Yankees pitching staff. They lost three or four pitchers to the uh, bit of hurt list. They got one pitcher that they could count on every five days, or every six days sometimes, Eric Cole, who I've said from the get-go is going to be the Cyan Award winner for American League. That hasn't changed. Now, how can you look at this team objectively and see the, the older players that aren't producing anymore, and you see the pitching staff that hasn't produced at all? So how can, you, how can these people who live in New York say, we're supposed to do this every year. Well, oh, you're not, because you don't have the right team to do it. Now, if they're going to go young, say that. We're going to go young. We're going to have five kids up next year. They're going to play. We'll, we'll, we'll lay down with those guys. We're going to have help for Garrett Cole. Now, if these people can figure these things out objectively, they'll understand that the Yankees had no choice to, to lose. They just lost because they weren't good enough. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, you know, the New York Yankees, they are one of those franchises, right? They, I mean, you look at Notre Dame, you look at the Dallas Cowboys, there's an expectation every single season that these, these teams have to perform. They have to do well. And it's not that you shouldn't have the hope for your team. And it's not that you shouldn't have the drive and the dedication and determination it's just ridiculous to think that this is going to happen every single year for the same teams. As good as you are, teams falter. And, you know, I think on the other side of it, we look at the Mets, PJ, and, you know, my question to you goes to who had the worst season based on expectation? Going into 2023 specifically, just 2023, who do you think had the worst season based on expectation? The New York Yankees or the New York Mets? 
because when we look back and we and we assess these teams, I want to remind everybody that the New York Yankees in 2022 had a season where they finished off here. You know, I mean, this season they they were 82 and 80. So, you know, looking at how everybody finished based on the expectation, not based on the name, based on the expectation. Last season, the Yankees were 99 and 63, and the Mets were 101 and 61. So, very close in record. But based on expectation coming off of 2022, who do you think had a worse season? The Mets? Coming off a of 101 and 61, or the Yankees coming off a of 99 and 63? Well, I think that's a good question. Again, uh, you need to think this over a little bit before you answer uh, if someone has an opinion. Uh, the Mets certainly uh, are right up there with the Yankees when it comes to something like this. The Mets management went all in by bringing in two, not one, but two. Future Hall of Fame pitchers, they thought that those guys could carry them to the pen. It didn't work. They were hurt. They didn't pitch up the expectations. At the end of the year, they got traded away. Now the Mets are in worse shape than the Yankees because at least the Yankees have young kids that are coming in uh, to play, but they also need better pitching. But to answer your question, both teams suck, but there's a reason for both of them. Uh, the Yankees pitching didn't hold up outside of Garrett Cole. The older players from the Yankees did not produce the way they should, not counting Aaron Judge. He's not even old. And number three, the, the pitchers they brought in for the Mets and paid them gazillions of dollars, didn't perform either. And, and, and so <laughs> who, who, who's to blame for this? You've know, you got Pete Alonso on the, on the Mets and McNeil, who's a, a 300 hitter. You know, other than that, you don't have one driving runs in. And now, now you gotta you gotta you gotta sit down this winter and figure out what do I have in my farm system and take the, the place of what I have. I made all these bad moves. I need to rectify it. If I was a GM, that's what I'd be doing, and I would do it every single day because nothing's going to get by the other teams out there. Whatever you want, you need to do it and make a make a decision fast because, frankly. Training is right around the corner. It doesn't last very long. So both of these teams are sorry, Daniel. Both of them. Well, you know, and the thing is, and and Greg weighing in here saying, you know, the farm system is good with the Mets. Uh, you know, the Mets' uh, future is bright, and and that may very well be the case. But the thing about the farm system is, the farm system has to come through. The farm system has to has to produce. You know, a lot of a lot of the things that we look at are based on hype, right? They're based on expectation. They're based on what we think is going to happen. But, you know, these these guys got to come through. Who gave the Arizona Diamondbacks credit this entire season besides me? I would love to see that list of maybe four people. You know, it, it's when you look at it, because Greg asked me at the beginning of the season, and Greg, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that you asked, you said to me, uh, over, under, on the Diamondbacks getting 69 and a half wins. And I said, I'm going to not only take the over, but I believe they could get to 90 wins in the regular season. And they got to 84. So pretty darn close to my prediction there. The, 
the Arizona Diamondbacks, people say, well, they're young, right? They're young. They don't have pitching. They don't have this and that. But their pitching has gotten better. Zach Allen, obviously, people take a look at at the ace. But their pitching's gotten better. Their rotation, the things that they do, and how they utilize their pitching against the Brewers was smart. They had a, they didn't have really anybody go out there and give up a ton. And I credit them with that and, you know, the management for making good decisions when it comes to the Arizona Diamondbacks and their pitching situation. Now, beyond that, when I look at the Arizona Diamondbacks, I also look at the fact that people think about Corbin Carroll, Corbin Carroll, Corbin Carroll, Corbin Carroll. But what about Christian Walker? What about Moreno that I was, that I was just mentioning? What about Marte? There's, there's talent on this team that you have to pay attention to. And so people say, well, they're ahead of schedule. People look at the, uh, the Baltimore Orioles and say the Baltimore Orioles are young and they're ahead of schedule. But these teams are not winning by mistake. They're not winning, you know, by happenstance. They're not winning because they fell into it. They're winning because they're good. They're winning because they're strong. They're winning. We're talking about the Yankees and the Mets. What'd you say? I thought we were talking about the Yankees and the Mets. We we are. We are. But they, <laughs> but I'm coming full circle back to I'm coming full circle back to this. What I'm discussing with this is there are teams that are winning that people didn't give credit to like the Diamondbacks, like the Orioles. And there are teams that people had high expectations of that are not winning, like the Mets and like the Yankees. So there's expectation versus who's actually producing. And this season, the Mets didn't produce. On a season where I think people thought they were going to make the World Series. This season, I didn't think the Yankees were going to be exquisite. I didn't think that they were going to be unbeatable because the Yankees have a problem, PJ, that you and I have agreed on for many, many a day. What is the problem with the New York Yankees? Above everything else, it's one word. What's the problem? Exactly. You have an ace, and that's all you got. You don't have any jacks. You don't have any kings. You got an ace. That's it. You got Garrett Cole, and Garrett Cole can't pitch. 162 games plus the postseason. That's the issue. So in my argument of the Diamondbacks and the Orioles and all this, when I look at a Diamondbacks team and I see that they win by committee and they win together, and I look at the Yankees and I say they have one guy pitching. They got one guy to do it. And the Mets have Kodai Senga, a young guy. And outside of that, they don't have a lot else going on. That says something. Look at the games that were won. Look at the teams that advanced in the wild card. They all had good defense. They were all able to keep teams at bay. Anybody can say Milwaukee was a better team, but they weren't because they didn't produce. And you can say that the Miami Marlins, they got some bats and they got some fire and they got some talent, but they didn't produce. And the Toronto Blue Jays, I had expectations of their bats waking up. And they did almost nothing. And the Tampa Bay Rays have proven without Wander Franco that they can still win games. But in this series, they didn't. So what it all comes down to is hype versus reality. What we think you're going to do versus what you actually do. And the teams that remain are the ones that did what they needed to do to get to where they needed to get to. So, PJ, my question to you, to bring it all back to the Yankees and the Mets from our conversation, if the Mets are now looking for a manager, which they are, 
who would you hire? Oh, that's a good question. Buck Showalter probably had enough of the tomfoolery going on around there too. He probably didn't understand what the uh, what the, the big brass was doing either. So you, you don't give, you don't give up on a guy like Buck Showalter. He's been around the league. He's won everywhere he's gone. I mean, he's just he's a brilliant he's a brilliant manager. Um, probably there are some other guys out there uh, that used to be ex players that are now moving them away into the managerial place. Uh, for instance, Minnesota's manager is uh, Rocco Baldelli. He used to play for the uh, Tampa Bay. So you got some other players, you got some other managers that used to be players that are doing well. And some, sometimes I think the older guys are, are going by the wayside. Uh, Aaron Boone certainly isn't old at all, but uh, he's in his 40s, I think. But a guy like that who's been around needs to stay in baseball. Joe Walter is probably one of the older, the only guys that is older that actually has a good resume. Uh, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't hesitate in in hiring Buck Joe Walter anywhere. Uh, I don't know the I don't know how to answer your question there because I haven't researched the available names. Uh, what I like to do is go look at the staffs of the of the uh, the managers and the uh, the field generals uh, yeah. of every team. Then I pick out three or four teams or three or four guys from a division. Then I sort of whittle it down, sort of like a, a, a baseball playoff situation. But And I, then I keep whittling it down until I come up with a guy who says, well, you know, this guy's been in, in the L.A. system for 10 years. He's been a bench coach. He's been a third base coach. He's been a pitching coach. Well, you know, the guy's pretty qualified. But he's not going to upset Dave Roberts at L.A., but yeah. he can get a job somewhere else. And he will, whoever that is. Uh, Nevin from uh, LA Angels. Nevin's another uh, another player that uh, another player manager that uh, was an extraordinary player, and I thought he was a decent manager. But you know, I keep harping back to the the, the, the general managers and the players managers that make these deals on guys. Uh, you you can't go into a season paying three guys four hundred million dollars. And expect to win. It's not going to happen. You don't have enough money to go around to find a starting pitcher outside of Otani. Nevin had no way to combat that. His 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 farm system. I don't know anything about his farm system, but he didn't. They didn't bring anyone up that those brains screwed up. Not at all. You know, Rendon is hurt. Trout is now hurt. Otani's in Japan. Who the hell knows what's going to happen with them? Nevin's a good baseball man. He's a good baseball man, but. Because the, the Angels didn't produce, he's out the door too. But look, it's not always the manager's spot. It's not always the manager's decision. It's above him that makes these decisions. Yeah. Very rarely do we see a, a, a manager who is also the general manager. That used to be a dual role that happened 10, 15 years ago. Now it's too it's too much. Why? Because there's analytic BS they bring in here. So... If you're looking for a baseball man, you've got to look for a baseball man, not an analytical guy. So, you know, you, I, I, I comb, the, I comb the, the rosters of these, these, these teams, and I come up with some names, and I see if they fit in. But Nevin and Showalter are probably going to be coaches somewhere next year. That's for sure. Yeah, you know, and, and I mean, I think when we're looking at all this, right, and you're trying to figure things out, you brought it up here with Papa Joe on – 
wake up call with Dan Tortora and uh, PJ with me every single Thursday for the PJ takeover. You know, PJ, as we take a look at what you had just mentioned, that I think is a really important statement, we blame it on the manager, right? You blame it on the manager, just like, you know, in other sports, you blame it on the head coach, but there's decisions that come from upstairs. So do you think that there is an unfair treatment of the manager in baseball or maybe that there's too much that they're blamed for that isn't always their fault. All right. Look at it. the guys that we talk about, the guys that are in positions now, the ones that I just talked about, they're baseball guys. They know the game of baseball. Yeah. They know how to pull a pitcher. They know how to work their bullpen. They know how to use a, 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 a hitter to hit and run. They know baseball. It's their job to put the players in position to win give them the best chance to win. And if the if the upper management can't do that for them, you can't possibly hold a manager accountable. Of course, when you look at runs, wins and losses, you're going to throw out Nevin, of course, right? Besides, he's got the two best players in baseball. It, it, it's, an, it's, a, it's a terrible situation. Uh, and I don't think that uh, Nevin should have been blamed, and I don't think Joe Walter should have been blamed either. But you, can, you, know, you can tell by uh, body language uh, a lot. Uh, you can tell Nevin uh, walking a little bit differently, and Joe Walter. Man, I can look at his face, and I can I know what he's talking about. <laughs> I've been watching Joe Walter for thirty years. Uh, there isn't there isn't an easy answer to your question. The only only thing I can say is that the men that are put on the field to run your team are baseball men. They know the game of baseball, so they're they're only trying to put the players that they have on the field to win, not who they should have but who they have, not who they want, but who they have. Yeah, coming from Papa Joe here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora discussing the Mets, the Yankees, the teams that are in the divisional series now and taking a deeper look at other things that are out there. There's poll questions that are up on our former Twitter. Now it's called X at CallDT. Who had the most disappointing season in the American League with your choices being the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Tigers, or the Angels, who had the most disappointing season based on expectation in the National League, your choice being the Padres, the Giants, the Mets, and uh, also the Pirates in that situation. So let me know what you're thinking. Uh, PJ, let's jump in before we go to football. Let's take a look at, because we could spend the whole day the whole day on baseball. I mean, I think it would be easy for us to spend this entire uh, conversation on baseball with everything that's going on. So let's go to the ALDS first, the Texas Rangers, Baltimore Orioles series. All the series, once again, will start on Saturday, October 7th, exactly two weeks before my birthday. So Rangers will start on the road at Baltimore in the series. And then, and this is a best of five series, once again, for the divisional series. And then we have the Minnesota Twins at the Houston Astros. Who do you have winning these two series? Texas is a very dangerous team. They can score 15 runs in a hard drop of the hat. Uh, I like Baltimore's pitching, and because of that, in a short series, I like Baltimore to stymie the big bats of Texas. Okay, and then going over to the Astros and Twins? You mean uh, the Twins and the Astros? Yep. Yeah. Okay, um... 
I think that I think Minnesota's a little bit overmatched here, but it doesn't mean that they can't pitch a couple of good games in there. The Astros is another team that just backed the hell out of the ball. Uh, and because of that, not because of Minnesota's pitching and what they did, which was very good, I like the Astros. Yeah, you know, I mean, here's the thing with the – the Astros and the Rangers, both of these teams are dangerous and granted. And I know I picked Tampa and a lot of people did, but I think for how good these, these teams have been, the Texas Rangers are a very dangerous team, but Baltimore still doesn't get any respect. And in, in, I think in certain circles, because Baltimore's the, even though they're the number one team in the American league, they're like the new kids on campus, right? They're not the ones that are typically here in the postseason. And so they've almost been faulted for that by some people. I think that the Baltimore Orioles are dangerous. Here's my thing about the Rangers, PJ, because I agree with you 100%. I think that as far as scoring runs and getting out there and and making, you know, making quick service of somebody, I think that it's a danger zone to play the Texas Rangers. There's no doubt in my mind that they're a very dangerous team to play. But in the same respect, I look at this series and I say to myself, you know, Baltimore has been good all season, right? They've they've held serve all season in a very difficult division. They didn't let anything rattle them. They didn't let anything shake them. The fact that they're in there with the Red Sox and they're in there with the Yankees and they're in there with, you know, the Tampa Bay Rays who have been so good and the Blue Jays who have come up over these last couple of years. They could have easily looked around themselves and gotten scared, and they didn't. They didn't shake. And I, I think Baltimore being so poised throughout this season and handling things the way that they handle it, I think they deserve their flowers, and I think they, they deserve their respect. At the same time, I th- I can see the Rangers being re- I could see this being Rangers Astros and the AL West is fighting for who goes to the World Series and they're fighting all over again. I-, I-, I can't see the Twins getting past the Astros because I wasn't sold on the Twins. Nobody that selected picked the Twins of, of the people here on, on Wake Up Call that were doing our predictions. Nobody picked the Twins. And to win their series. So I I can't see the Astros losing to the Twins. I think the Astros are too dangerous of a team. You know, I know what it's like to pick against them. I picked against them this year. I paid for that already. And I think that they're just too dangerous of a franchise to not move forward. I think the most difficult one is the Rangers Baltimore uh, Orioles conversation because I want to pick Baltimore and I did pick Baltimore ultimately in my prediction. So I'm going to stick with what I have, but I, I, I really genuinely believe that the Rangers are a very tough out. They could be one of the toughest outs in this entire postseason. I don't think they're going to go down lightly. And I don't think that, that, that they're a team that you really come think come into this thing didn't win their division. I mean, this is a really strong team, and you have to remind yourself they didn't win their division. So uh, I can see Rangers-Astros, but I'm going to go ahead, and I know that in my you know prediction before the games even started, I had, uh, I had the Blue Jays moving on here, but 
I'm going to say Astros Orioles, but I, I really think that Texas is a dangerous team, PJ. Well, that's true. Um, and we, we brought up, or I brought up two pitchers a little while ago uh, that were with the Mets that are now elsewhere. Uh, Max Scherzer is with Texas, and uh, Justin Berlander is with Houston. I don't think Scherzer is going to pitch again this year, but I think Berlander is. There's an ace in a hole for Houston. If you're looking for a big money money pitcher, someone like a Cole, a Verlander fits that fits that deal. He's he just doesn't get old. He does have arm problems and shoulder problems, and I'm not sure. I haven't read anything about him lately about uh, whether he can uh, uh, pitch this this season or not. The rest of the season, uh, that's an ace in a hole for Houston. If they get off to a good start and Verlander wins a game. It's going to be really hard for, for Minnesota to get to catch up. Yeah. So I'm going to go with the Orioles and the Astros as they move forward here. And, you know, I think that we're in agreement with that. Uh, PJ, Greg brought this up. I want to make a note of this really quick before we go to the National League. The fact that the Orioles don't have their closer, does that change things for you in this series against the Rangers? Look at Baltimore is another one of these teams, these teams that came up in the last three or four years. They pitch by committee, just like Tampa Bay does. A guy goes two innings here, one inning here, an inning half there. I, I think, Greg, you're right, but I think whoever's rested and who's throwing, throwing well in the bullpen, it, it's, that person's going to come in. I don't think they have anyone uh, for that package. Yeah, so, I mean, we shall see as we move forward here. Uh, on the other side of it, P.J., we have in the NLDS two divisional matchups. The NL East and the NL West, no matter what, will send one team to the gate of the World Series because the NL East will be the Phillies versus the Braves in the divisional round and the Diamondbacks versus the Dodgers. So no matter what, we're going to see the East versus the West. Who do you have for Philly, Atlanta, Arizona, L.A.? You know, as a pure baseball fan, uh, you know, you, you wish that Atlanta and uh, L.A. were in different divisions because, frankly, uh, whoever wins those series is going to win the World Series, in my opinion. Uh, Baltimore could pose a problem. Houston maybe with their hitting. But, you know, Atlanta has got too much pitching, and so does L.A. But Philly's got some bashers, too, with Harper and Schwarber and Trey Turner and these guys, um, they can hit the hell out of the ball. But Atlanta's got too much pitching, uh, and they got Randall Acuna, who was my pick for the National League Most Valuable Player, and they have a formidable pitching stash. I don't, I don't see, I don't see Philly, I don't see Philly getting by it. If you're looking for a, a real team that can stop a hitting attack, Atlanta can do it. Yeah, you know, and, and I, I think, and, and I think you're absolutely right when you bring up the fact of. You know, uh, well, I mean, your notion of you wish the Braves and the Dodgers were on separate sides, right? One American League, one National League, because of the fact of how how good they are right now, that that, that would be a good World Series to see. But we're not going to see that in the World Series. So, you know, I, I think ultimately, you know, looking at these two series, in my opinion, I think I think Atlanta's got too much. I think L.A.'s got too much as well. I would like to see the Phillies because of my guy Danny Tome and my guy Jerry Hart. 
So I want to show you all love. I know you're big old Philly fans. And so if Philly makes it, I'm going to be super excited for you. On the Diamondbacks side, I would love to see my Diamondbacks, right? But I said it's a cardinal sin in broadcasting to be partial. You cannot be partial. You have to make an impartial decision. And impartially looking at both of these teams between the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers, the Dodgers were the biggest threat to the Diamondbacks' success in the division this season, and I think they're the biggest threat to them moving on. Arizona will have to play near-perfect baseball. They're going to have to make some awesome defensive moves like they did against the Brewers. Their bats are going to have to be on at all times, and their pitching rotation is going to have to really be, uh, like I said, uh, without many blemishes. So I think the Dodgers can score on you quick. I know that their pitching is dangerous. We've seen that over the years. So I have the Dodgers and the Braves. That's what I had in my original prediction. And, uh, you know, I still see that here now. I want to be wrong with Arizona, of course, because I love my Diamondbacks. And I will love this series no matter what. And I will enjoy it no matter what. And I hope for my, my personal desire, I hope the Arizona Diamondbacks move on. But as a broadcaster, I think that the Dodgers and the Braves have too much. I think the Phillies are a huge threat to the Braves. But I think that the Dodgers and the Braves here, they've shown during the season that they can not only be above Arizona and Philadelphia, respectively, in their divisions, but that they can be above them by 14 games, 16 games, 12 games. There's a reason why there was separation. And I think that that separation continues here in the postseason as much as I want to be wrong. True. Cool. You know, there's one pitcher that I like to talk about. Uh, unfortunately, he's not playing, but it's Walker Bueller of, of the Dodgers. Uh, he's a killer, uh, but he's hurt and has been for, for quite a while. Uh, and he really is the stopper. Uh, you know, let's face it, Kershaw is getting on in years. Uh, Kershaw is good for five or six innings. Uh, I, I don't, I don't see Kershaw making that big of a difference if, if Arizona can get to him early, get him out of the game, fine. But Bueller, uh, he won't be coming back until the end, until next year, hopefully. Uh, and the Dodgers are going to look better with him there. So uh, the, the Dodgers, uh, the Dodgers have a few kinks, and one of them is starting pitcher, other than a couple of their studs. So. Arizona's got a shot. It's a small shot, but it, that's why they play the game. So Walker Bueller coming back next year is going to put L.A. In a, in a whole different light. So, P.J., before we jump into football, any final note about Major League Baseball? It's exciting. It's been fun. I loved these wild card series, like I said. I was on the edge of my seat, obviously, for Arizona above everything as a fan, but, you know, watching all these series has been a lot of fun for me. It was a really exciting start to the postseason for baseball. Do you have any final note before we move on from the wild card to the divisional series? No, I think um, I think what we're going to see in the next couple of days, maybe a week, we're going to see some more managers lose their jobs. And uh, that's going to put Nevin and Showalter and some of these other guys uh, back in the hunt. Uh, and I really look at Milwaukee's uh, whole situation there. Uh, they seem to play good every year. They win their division, but they can't seem to get by uh, the, the playoff series. And yeah. Council uh, is great a man as he's been, and he was a hell of a player with the Miami Marlins. Um, I, I think that maybe his time would be is uh, going to be over over there. And look, 
there's going to be a lot of every time you you, you see a, a team fail, there has to be a there has to be a reason for it. Whether it's a general manager, the player manager, the pitching coach, the hitting coach, whatever, someone has to someone has to go. Uh, and in, in these cases, in my opinion, uh, Mr. Cohen up in New York should get rid of a, his whole staff and start all over again. Now the Yankees, G. Mike has been there for years. Um, Aaron Boone, in my opinion, should stay, but I'm just a pundit, you know. There's uh, there's going to be some there's going to be some manager changes. There's going to be some guys coming up, some of the newer guys that are maybe retired players that know the game uh, that want to get into managing. So. We'll see what happens with that. Yeah. You know, we got a comment that came in on X, the former Twitter, and I can appreciate it. And I know you can too, PJ, uh, that comes in defense of Aaron Boone with the Yankees. The comment that came in said, Aaron Boone's managerial miscues were amplified by a poor team except the bullpen. Give him the 2009 roster for the Yankees and we wouldn't have noticed or cared very much. The solution is a better roster. That's right. That's so, right. That's some, right. Some good stuff. You can stuff. only manage what he's got, buddy. Right. You can you only know, manage if, what if you got. If he makes the selections, if he goes out to the lobby for someone, he'll call up the president and general manager and say, listen, I want this effing guy. Now I want him. I want him. Yeah. But, you know, the managers don't have that, that clout anymore, Daniel. No. And PJ and I have a lot to get into. On the baseball side, we will shift gears to football after spending a plenty of time. We can easily talk about baseball all morning, but we got to get to our picks from last week's college football and the ones we're making this week, and we have to get into the NFL as well. We're going to take a quick step aside for a fast break. When we come back, PJ and I will tell you how we did, and we'll tell you where we're going in our college and professional football picks right after this. I'm tired already. It's unique times. There are those in our community that give us a sense of normalcy and positivity. Pizza Man on 50 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville has been here for you for over 35 years and is here now. Call 315-638-1234 or order online at pizzamanbville.com to bring those familiar tastes into your home. And remember to come see our monthly on-site broadcasts centered around the community and our Baldwinsville Beats. Pizza Man in Baldwinsville. Any way you slice it, they are always here for you. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. Our corporate purpose at Chick-fil-A is to glorify God by being faithful stewards of all that's entrusted to us and to possibly influence all those who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. And what became increasingly clear from our success at Cicero is that people love Chick-fil-A. And also, I think we recognize that you know, we had a great opportunity to grow the brand and grow our platform. I felt incredibly grateful when I was you know, selected to be a Chick-fil-A operator. 
I think what it's meant for me, what I've come to realize on a very deep level is that this is a calling for me. It's not a career. It's not a job. The Lord called me to be a Chick-fil-A operator and to use these restaurants to glorify him and to possibly influence other people. I'm blessed. I'm very blessed. Head to Chick-fil-A Clay on 3974 State Route 31 in Liverpool, New York. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or iced milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, Carvelanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. GG Cards and Breaks, your premier sports card shop. You need to get out there any single day of the week. They are open Monday through Saturday from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. and on Sundays from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. on 639 Delmar Place in Syracuse, New York. GG Cards and Breaks is the difference. They have so many amazing things within their store, but what truly sets them apart from everybody else is their care and their love for the hobby itself. They just don't own a sports card shop. They collect sports cards. They do box breaks all the time. They're constantly improving their collection and having fun with everything that they do. You got to be around people that are passionate about what they're doing because then it's not a job. Then it's truly something that's fun and exciting and a piece of who you are. And GG Cards and Breaks knows exactly what that means. From Josh to Anthony to Joel to Alex and the entire crew at GG Cards and Breaks, you can tell how much they love the hobby and how many memories they have growing up as kids and now being big kids. So when you come into GG Cards and Breaks, it's a different experience for all the right reasons. And I look forward to you, to you coming in there and finding some great stuff. I've had 
an awesome time with everything that we've done and all the box breaks. And you can go and watch all those videos on youtube.com backslash wake up call DT. We've had an incredible time. And I, and I actually got in a box break, one of the, in the tin break we did the best card I've ever pulled from anything, a rookie Kenny Pickett downtown Kenny Pickett. And the card at the time I pulled it was worth $750 and I pulled it from a $40 tin. So make sure you go out to GG Cards and Breaks, get those boxes, get those packs. Let's see what you get today at 639 Delmar Place in Syracuse, New York. With that being said here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets that thing called life, we got Papa Joe here this morning because you know if it's Thursday, it's PJ time. And PJ and I are going to go look back at our college football week five picks. Of the games that we selected, how many of these games did we get right? Our records have been coming through pretty nice these uh, past th- this season. We've done well in our records, and hopefully that'll continue for us here as we take a look back at week five in college football and who we had winning. Now, Louisville at NC State in this matchup, uh, PJ and I both took Louisville, and we were both correct. They won 13-10 in a very close matchup there. So I'm going to go ahead and circle that one for us. Uh, BYU defeated Cincinnati 35-27, to so we got that one correct. Go ahead and circle that. The first time they faced off against each other as both members of the Big 12. And then from there... Let's go take a look at the USC game. Colorado had a comeback. I know PJ and I will talk about that momentarily, but USC defeating Colorado 48-41 to after USC looked like they were going to run away with this game. Texas A&M to go in and see their game against Arkansas. They won that one 34-22, so PJ and I got that one correct as well. The Georgia Bulldogs were able to move forward here and get their victory as uh, as we look back on Georgia's game here. And uh, I want to make sure that I pull that up here for us. So Georgia defeating Auburn 27-20, to so we got that one correct. Go ahead and circle that. The Texas Longhorns defeated Kansas 40-12, to so we got – or 40-14, to I should say. So we got that one correct. Then the Notre Dame versus Duke game. I went – with Duke in this one, thinking, hey, Duke's got another primetime opportunity, and maybe they could win this game. And in this matchup, Notre Dame defeats Duke 21-14 to in a very close matchup. So uh, Duke played them tough, which, which was huge there. So I got that one wrong. PJ got that one right. And then we'll look at South Carolina, the Gamecocks, who have tried to play spoiler and have been successful at playing spoiler to some teams uh, as of late in recent history here. The South Carolina Gamecocks, could they do it again to Tennessee? They did not. Tennessee won 41-20, so PJ and I got that one wrong. And then we'll take a look at the Alabama game over Mississippi State, 40-17. to We both got that one correct. Uh, we picked Kentucky over Florida. Sad face for PJ. We got that one right. And then PJ picked Clemson, and I picked Syracuse, so I got that one wrong. So PJ had... Let's see here. Five, six, seven, and one, eight, nine, ten, and one this week. So our records continue to be high. PJ is 10 and one this week in his predictions. So I'm going to go ahead and put that here on our list here so we can keep our running tally. And then on my side of it, we have five, six, seven, eight, and three for mine. So 
stay on the right side of things here, PJ. Any notes that you want to make before we pick college football's week six games that we have coming up? I know you want to talk about that USC-Colorado game. Oh, boy. That was a fun game to watch, I'll tell you. Um, I, I got to say, uh, I've been very apprehensive about uh, Deion Sanders and what he does and uh, how he talks and how he handles himself. But the one thing I can certainly say is his son's a hell of a quarterback. That kid's got more balls than anyone I've seen in college football this year. This kid's a winner. And uh, you NFL people out there, you need, to, you need to listen to Papa Jay. This kid can play. So I don't care where he goes or how he gets there, but he's a player. And frankly, I, I think that uh, Dion's uh, uh, going forward here with his team, I think that he's probably going to be favored in the rest of the games. And I, I, I like to watch the kid to play. He's just, he's unflappable. He, he doesn't get mad. He just doesn't, he just, he's just, he's a solid quarterback. I mean, you know, Caleb Williams is certainly the, the best quarterback in the league. There's no doubt about it. And in, in football. Uh, but tell you what, Jared Sampson was right there behind him. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that definitely uh, when we look at Colorado and the way that they played, the way that they surged back against USC, you have to give them a lot of credit for that. And, you know, it says a lot about their character. That game looked like it was well out of reach early for this team. You go back and you reflect on it. And this game was 34 to seven in the second quarter. It was 34 to seven advantage USC in the second quarter with 254 to go before halftime with 21 seconds left. Shador Sanders had a 25-yard quarterback keeper that made it 34 to 14. Then in the third quarter, it was 48-27, and uh, started off 41-14 in the third quarter with 7-14 left when Brendan Rice had a six-yard pass from Caleb Williams that he caught. So to make this a game, Colorado scored the final two scores of the game, two touchdowns in the fourth quarter by Amarion Miller and Jimmy Horn Jr. to make it 48-41 with a minute 43 left to go. This game was USC's game. And Colorado coming all the way back the way that they did truly should open your eyes. Because the way they played against Oregon, people are like, oh, okay, they were brought back to earth. But then the way that they played against USC, we're like, oh, okay, maybe they're still in the stars somewhere. So give a lot of credit to Deion Sanders and to the Colorado Buffaloes the fight of everybody on this team, a lot of love to them and much respect to them. And so I, I got, uh, and I'm still getting some people talk about Aaron Boone on here as well on, on X, the former Twitter. So that's why you heard me laugh just now, because some people are like, hell no, get rid of them. And other people are defending them. So interesting here. I is hope, the, I hope going to come back. What'd you say? I hope there's more pros and cons on those, those uh, comments. Yeah, there's, there's definitely more pros than cons uh, on, on him coming back here. So uh, we will see what ends up happening uh, as far as this goes. But uh, the voting rate, let's look at the voting right now. 78.9% of you still want to see Aaron Boone go. 21.1% would like to see him stay. So we'll see how it shakes out here for the New York Yankees and Aaron Boone. Uh, PJ, let's go into college football week six. It's time to make our picks. Congratulations to you on your 10 and one of this last week. And uh, I got eight and three. So staying on the right side of things, football has already started this week. 
because we're getting the Maction back. The Mac is playing early. We're seeing uh, other schools at Conference USA and whatnot play early as well. So we had some Wednesday night football games. Uh, Jacksonville State defeated Middle Tennessee 45-30 to on the road, and FIU lost on the road to New Mexico State 37-14. to There's two games tonight. There's two games Friday night, and I'm going to jump us right into Saturday as far as our predictions go. Oklahoma at Texas, the two teams that will face off for the final time this season as Big 12 opponents next year when they face off against each other. They'll be doing it in the SEC. What do you have for this one, PJ, that will be played in the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, Texas, Oklahoma at Texas, playing inside of the Cotton Bowl? Who do you got? This is going to be a good game right here. Texas is uh, given six points, so Oklahoma's going to have to win by more, more than that. Um, Texas looks like they're, they're, they're really coming in their own. Last year was a little bit shaky for them. Uh, this year, I think they... I think they got an outside shot to get the way they want to be, which is the college football championship. I like Texas. Yeah, I mean, I think the this game can go either way. But I'm I'm less sold on Oklahoma, especially. Yeah, right. What'd you say? You're you're right. It can go either way. Yeah, I mean, I really think this game can go either way. I mean, looking at Oklahoma this season, they haven't played a ranked team up to this point. And so, you know, they've been blowing out teams. None of those teams ranked. On Texas's side, you know, Texas to me has has had a little bit more of, of a journey, I would say, the, you know, as an understatement. Kansas was ranked, and they faced off against Alabama on the road and beat Alabama 34-24. to I think Texas is more battle-tested to their 5-0 and than the Oklahoma 5-0. and So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean on Texas in this matchup to get the victory as well. I just feel like Texas is at this point in the season they have had more more of a test and more going on. I think I think Oklahoma is still playing that cupcake schedule, and I think they're going to run into an issue here with Texas. When Texas, uh, you know, this is a team that's beaten Alabama on the road says a lot about them. Uh, next game that we have up here, PJ LSU, who is back in the rankings at Missouri, who is also in the rankings in the SEC. Well, who do you have for this one? I think Missouri's overrated this year. This this year, I, I LSU's getting six points. I, I I don't understand that, but I like LSU to win them straight out. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with LSU as well. I think that I think LSU is a better team than they get credit for. I think Brian Kelly is doing maybe a better job, and and I know you know he's not out here winning championships, so people think that it's not good enough, but. I think Brian Kelly's doing a better job than maybe some people are actually stating. And I think that LSU is going to win this. I don't believe Missouri will stay in the top 25 for the entire season. I don't. I, I, I agree with you that Missouri overrated here. They beat Kansas State, who's ranked. Everybody else they beat has been unranked this season. And a lot of those wins I would have expected them to have. So... I'm not going to be sold on uh, Missouri. I think LSU is going to win this game on the road. Next game that we have up here, PJ, a little bit of an interesting one that I want to get your thoughts on, Boston College at Army. Boston College has given some fire there to Florida State. Florida State had to beat them by two points, and then you know they were able to go out there and 
and do some good. They got a couple wins this season. They played other teams close. The only blowout that they have is against Louisville. And then on Army's side, Army's probably best win of the season came on the road at UTSA. They just lost to Syracuse recently here. And uh, they also have a loss to Louisiana Monroe and they blew out Delaware State. What do you think about BC at Army? This, this is a toss-up game, I think. Um, I think I like Army's schedule a little bit better, so I'm going to stay with Army. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that BC, you know, they're they're a good team. They've done they've done some good things this season, and obviously they pushed Florida State. And I said going into that game, they pushed them in the past. I knew it was a different coach. It was Steve Adazio at the time. But I thought that this team with Jeff Halfley could still uh, push a team like Florida State, and they definitely did that. This game is at Army. So I'm going to go with Army in this matchup, and I believe that Army can can get another victory in this one. I think Army could make their way to a bowl game this year. So we'll see how they continue forward, and you know. But I do feel good about Army, so we'll see where they go. Uh, next one up that we have on the docket to predict is going to be Virginia Tech at Florida State. Virginia Tech has had some somewhat of a not great season thus far. They're two and three. Uh, they they ended their three-game losing streak when they defeated Pitt. They've lost to Purdue, Rutgers, and Marshall. The last two games were on the road. They beat Old Dominion at home and Pitt at home. They haven't won a road game this season. They're going to be at Florida State. Any chance that Virginia Tech does anything against Florida State? No. <laughs> I ask you the questions where I know I'm going to get the one word no because I love it that much. FSU is favored by 25 points. And it probably won't be that close. I mean, uh, you know, we, we know that uh, FSU is for real this year, and uh, that nothing's gonna, nothing that Virginia Tech can do will stop that. Yeah, I got FSU in this one as well. FSU, as uh, we said early on, uh, you know, years ago, PJ and I said that Mike Norvell would be in good positioning a few years in if you gave him his time, and he has been. We also said that we believe that they're a college football playoff team this year, and they've done a lot to show that already. Alabama at Texas A&M. Any chance that Alabama loses to another Texas-based school? No, I think Bama's has got the got it. This one, um, still, still a little concerned about Melrose, the quarterback. Uh, he's a running quarterback. You know, you know how I feel about that. But he's a big, strong running quarterback. He's sort of like the size of a Jalen Hurts. Uh, I know he wants to beat up on Jimbo all the time, of course, but. Uh, I, I'm just concerned that Miller just doesn't throw the ball downfield as well as he should be. And when Alabama starts playing the better teams, they're going to need him to do that. And right now he's, he's showing me that he's not doing that. But I still like Alabama's defense to win the game. Yeah, I, I'm not sold on Texas A&M this season. I don't feel as good about them as I have in the past with Jimbo Fisher there. So I'm going to go with Alabama to win this one on the road. Uh, Texas A&M is unranked. They're four and one, but uh, they have not played. They have not uh, gone up against a ranked team all season. Their only losses to Miami on the road, 48 to 33. They beat Arkansas. They beat Auburn. Both of those games are at home. All of their games have been at home except for the Miami game. And this Alabama game is at home too. So I guess Texas A&M must be playing in the big 10 because the only the big 10 gets a schedule like that to play at home that many games to start off the season. So I'm going to go with Alabama on the road because this Texas A&M team I don't see is as dangerous as uh, Jimbo Fisher's team was, let's say, a couple of years ago. 
PJ, uh, before we get into our teams, let's do this one. Louisville is finally ranked. This team is 5-0. and They scored 39 on Georgia Tech, 56 on Murray State, 21 on Indiana, 56 on Boston College. Now, mind you, they scored 56 on Boston College when Boston College and Florida State went wire to wire. And then they just scored 13 at NC State, showing that they can win a closely contested game. They got Notre Dame coming into Louisville. Notre Dame is that team that has been somewhat tested this year. I would venture to say more tested early on than in the past because they had to play Ohio State and Duke back-to-back. What do you think about this one? Is it Notre Dame or is it Louisville? This game will be played in Kentucky. I've been, I've been watching Louisville for the last couple of weeks, and they're, they're playing with what I like to call speed, fast. They play fast. And I think that they play a little bit faster than Notre Dame. This this game is uh, this game is right for an upset, Daniel. Uh, we know that Notre Dame is overrated every year. And uh, I, I really think that Louisville can win this game straight up. Yeah, I'm going to go with Louisville on this one, too. Louisville, I think, has been pushing and pushing to show the country who they are. They're going to be on ABC live at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time this Saturday, October 7th, and you'll have the opportunity to see them in real time. I think Louisville's – I mean, they're so dangerous, and they can score in bunches and that speed that you were talking about. I don't know if Notre Dame can keep up, so I'm going to pick Louisville to win this matchup. Arkansas at Ole Miss. Ole Miss is still ranked in the top 20 at 16. Any chance that Arkansas trips him up, or does the lane train continue to be successful here? The team is 4-1. and one. Their only loss is on the road at Alabama. They defeated ranked LSU at home. They defeated ranked Tulane on the road in their other two ranked wins, and they defeated Georgia Tech and Mercer at home, who are unranked. Any chance that we see a trip up for the lane train, or is he going to be okay? Ole Miss is favored by ten. Uh, you got to give Lane. You got to give Lane Kiffin credit. I mean, he's he's a he's a he's a Texas gunslinger is what the hell he is. I mean, he uh, he has more more coordinations and more play calls than you can shake a stick at. He just he does things inordinately. Let's put it that way. But he is uh, he's good. He's just good this year. Uh, to answer your question, no, Arkansas can't keep up with Ole Miss. Yeah, so I'm going to go, I, I'm going to agree with you here, and uh, I like putting it on the board because it says Olay when I put it up there like that. So we're both going to go Ole Miss and keep it with the lane train. Georgia Tech's had themselves a pretty good season. Despite being 2-3, and three, they have been competitive. Any chance that Georgia Tech finds a way against a Miami Hurricanes team that's looked pretty good this season as well and is ranked number 17th in the country. Miami is 4-0. and They've had a bye week. They defeated Texas A&M at home, who is ranked 48-33. Their other wins are against Bethune-Cookman, your alma mater, Miami of Ohio, and on the road at Temple. They've put up no less than 38 points on their opposition and as many as 48. Any chance Miami loses to Georgia Tech? No, I don't think so. I think Miami is starting to come in with zone this year, but they're going to have to go through Florida State. That's that and Clemson. So uh, Miami's going to have to keep their uh, claws nice and sharp. So uh, I like Miami. Yeah, I'm going to go with Miami in this one as well. And uh, I think Miami, 
you know, a couple of years ago, I thought Miami had done some good things and that they had a chance to win their division, but they lost some costly games down the stretch, including to Pittsburgh, which bumped them out of it. Miami, to me, with Mario Cristobal, is going in the right direction. I, I thought that they would be going in a positive direction right now, so I'm not surprised, but we'll see if they can hang on to it. That's been the big thing with Miami is can they be a good team all season long? With that being said, PJ, let's go to our final three matchups. And one of them I'm going to send us to is to Oregon State for your favorite name in football, DJ Uyunglele. DJ Uyunglele of the Clemson Tigers went on to the Oregon State Beavers in the transfer portal. And he has played two ranked teams back to back, lost to one of them, Washington State, 38 35 on the road beat Utah at home 21 to 7. Are the Oregon State Beavers who still don't have a home as far as the future of where they're going to be conference wise, do the Oregon State Beavers continue to impress on the road at California or does California, who is a future ACC team, believe it or not, and this West Coast team will be playing up against teams like Syracuse that are almost 3000 miles away? What are your thoughts, PJ, with Oregon State at California? Well, at uh, yeah, for Oregon State, that they're, they're like a waif, you know. They're like a, a kid that's homeless. <laughs> uh, I like uh, I like Oregon State. I think that they, they play fast, just like Oregon does. Yeah, I mean Oregon State. I'm going to go with them in this matchup as well. You know, they it looks like they might be coming into their own here and doing some positive things as, as they move forward. Cal is one of those teams that, you know, just has not impressed for many years on the football field. So I'm going to go with Oregon State to get this victory. And now we'll go to our final two before we jump into the NFL. Let's go there to the Florida game and the Syracuse game. PJ's Gators, my orange. So, PJ, we'll go to your Gators. Vanderbilt at Florida. Florida has been up and down. Vandy is their head coach is Clark Lee. He's somebody that I got to know here in Syracuse a little bit. He was the linebackers coach under Scott Schaefer. He is the head coach at Vanderbilt now after spending some time at Notre Dame. Vanderbilt's on a three-game losing streak, and the Florida Gators are in a position coming off of a loss to the Kentucky Wildcats. The Florida Gators looking at them and, and where they currently are this season with Vanderbilt on a three-game losing streak, we have the Florida Gators on a one-game losing streak after winning three in a row. So they're coming in in a different way. They defeated a ranked Tennessee and lost to a ranked Utah. What do you think about Vandy at Florida? Oh, I, 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 uh, my, 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 my Gators are a mess. They're a mess. They, uh, they can't play physical. They didn't have the players to play physical. Kentucky proved that last week that a good physical team beats up on Florida just like they did last year. And Kentucky Georgia is going to be a hell of a game, by the way. Um, Daniel, the only way I can say this logically is that Florida can win the game because they're at home. I, I, that's all I can say. I, I don't like their offense. Their defense is playing as well as they can. They certainly have the athletes. They have the you know, number four recruiting class this year coming in, but they're just not gelling. I don't know if Coach Napier is on the fence or what. I don't. I don't. I don't get too much information coming from Gainesville. That's bad because no one likes to 
great about Florida or Coach Napier. So I'm just going to say Florida can win because we're at home. Let me ask you this question, PJ. If Florida loses to Vanderbilt, what will you do? Oh, geez. I don't know what I would do. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, that's on. That's on. That's ungodly, Daniel. <laughs> I don't know what I would. Do. I, I, I would probably have to write. Uh, I have to write a, a a letter to Coach Napier. That's what I would do. Yeah, I'm going to go with the. I've been known to do that. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I I I want to see that letter. I really do. But at the same yeah. time. I'm going to pick the Florida Gators to win this game. Uh, like you said, they're at home, so I would like to think that they could do this. The tickets in Gainesville, believe it or not, for an SEC Florida Gators matchup are $32, as low as $32. Crazy. If you want a cheaper ticket, though, you can go to Akron, where Northern Illinois is going to play Akron for $9. So that's a steal. The Syracuse Orange are going to be on the road at the North Carolina Tar Heels. Syracuse just suffered their first loss of the season at home against Clemson in a game where they beat the hell out of themselves. And I agree with Garrett Trader, the quarterback of the Syracuse Orange, that said, hey, we beat ourselves in this game. And they absolutely, positively beat up on themselves here, made a bunch of blunders, and now they got to face North Carolina, who has had a bye week. North Carolina is 4-0. and So... Your thoughts on this one, PJ, PJ, do the Syracuse Orange get a victory over North Carolina on the road, or do they do what they did a few years ago during COVID in 2020 when they lost to Sam Howell? Do they go in and face Drake May and lose to North Carolina? Yeah, I watched this game for the most part, uh, the syracuse Clemson game, and I, I thought the Syracuse played pretty well. Um, they should have won the game, no question about it. North Carolina is getting nine points with the with the gamblers out there. Uh, I think Syracuse covers. I think Syracuse wins this game. Yeah, I, I mean Syracuse. Listen, North Carolina, they've been close to playing for an ACC championship, or they've played for an ACC championship, but they've had blunders in Mac Brown's return. They've had moments where there is this expectation, just like Miami, where they did not get it done. Now, North Carolina's back in the good graces of the rankers of the media and the coaches' polls. They're in the top three of the ACC. Believe it or not, the ACC standings right now, and this is not football, or this is not basketball. The ACC standings right now are Louisville, Florida State, North Carolina, Duke. Those are your top three, or top four. Then Virginia Tech, then NC State, then Georgia Tech, then Clemson. Clemson is in the bottom portion right now as they have a record of one and two in the conference. There are teams that have not won a conference game. Syracuse, they only played one of them. They're 0-1. Wake is 0-1. Pitt and Virginia are 0-2. Louisville is 3-0, playing as many games in the conference as Clemson has. So the question becomes, can Syracuse do it? Can they go into North Carolina and get a win over Mac Brown? Can they play spoiler? to any hope that North Carolina has of being considered for the college football playoff? Can they have any hope of getting above North Carolina and being one and one and rising all the way up the charts here in the ACC standings to be above the Tar Heels? Well, that question is a tough one. And Syracuse definitely has the capability of playing spoiler. But I believe 
in this matchup that North Carolina has a little bit too much and Syracuse falls in this game, losing two in a row. And North Carolina. Hey, I said as a broadcaster, you got to be impartial. So my impartiality uh, tells me that. Listen, go ahead. There's one. There's one. The game of the week is Kentucky at Georgia. I don't know if you want to cover that or not. Yeah, no, we definitely should. I was I was looking at maybe going to Michigan, but yeah, we can we can go to this one and uh, and and cover that one for sure. So let's go ahead and do that. Let's jump into that one here and do one more game. But yeah, I'm going to go North Carolina with an edge over Syracuse. Again, I hope I'm wrong. I really hope that I'm wrong. So let's do the last game here, PJ, before we jump into the NFL. And that game is going to take us to that uh, Georgia matchup, like you said, and the Georgia Bulldogs up against Kentucky in, I, I would agree with you, game of the week, Sanford Stadium. The lowest ticket price is over $100. The game will be on ESPN at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Number 20, Kentucky at number one, Georgia. What do you got? After watching the dismal performance of Florida last week, I only saw the first two drives of the game, and I knew right then and there that Florida didn't have it. Uh, the reason is because Kentucky is Kentucky is, is tough. There, Mark Stoops is always meant to be a defensive coach, and he was a defensive coach before he came out a head coach. I mean, he is a defensive guru, and his teams play tough. And frankly, I'm looking at this game. I had to go back to this game and, and reanalyze it. Because Georgia is, is they're, they're two touchdowns favorite. But Georgia hasn't played anyone as physical as Kentucky this year. And I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say Kentucky can, can win this game. It's going to be a very physical matchup. You're going to see some serious SEC football. You got Kentucky winning this matchup. So here's the thing, PJ. Do you know the quarterback of Kentucky? Do you know where he came from? No. Devin Leary, for those of you playing the home game, is a quarterback that I've covered for multiple seasons. It's a quarterback that I've interviewed because he played for the NC State Wolfpack. Oh, yeah. Devin Leary having that extra COVID bonus year that so many people have. He decided to take his time at NC State where he played four seasons. And he was the, he was a very dominant in, in, in certain instances here, a best season, 2021, 35 touchdowns to five interceptions. Devin Leary being the quarterback of the Kentucky Wildcats he comes from the pedigree of NC State. He is now, without the transfer portal, he's leading NC State right now, and they're having a lot better of a season. When people say, oh, why is NC State faltering? Why don't they look as good? Why aren't they ranked? Well, because the transfer portal is college football free agency, and you can go wherever you want. So Devin Leary, it's not Kentucky going up against Georgia. It's Devin Leary and Kentucky going up against Georgia. And Devin Leary is another one of those guys, just like Sam Hartman, who went from Wake Forest to Notre Dame, that if you see Notre Dame playing well or you see Kentucky playing well on offense, well, you can thank the ACC for that. And you can thank those coaches, the Dave Clausens and the Dave Dorans, for recruiting those guys that can, that the Kentuckys and the Notre Dames got to watch and say, you know what? 
I'm going to go grab those guys. I'm going to go get them in free agency. Now, Georgia, they're undefeated. But Georgia has been tested by Auburn on the road. They've been tested by South Carolina at home. They were not tested by UAB or Ball State or UT Martin. And I wouldn't expect them to be tested by Ball State or UT Martin. And UAB, I didn't think would be too much of a test as well. Well, now you have Kentucky. Granted, you're at home. It's at 7 p.m. And what am I going to do in this game? Do I think the Georgia Bulldogs can pull it out? I do. Do I think Kentucky is a good thing, a good team? I do. The SEC still has divisions, right? The East and the West. Both teams are 5-0. and If Kentucky beats Georgia, they go into the driver's seat of the SEC East. And if they stay unblemished, or if they have only one loss at the end of the season, then we look, or if they have two losses, depending on what they have in that tiebreaker with Georgia and what Georgia does, they would own the tiebreaker over Georgia. If Kentucky wins this week and they lose one game at any point after this, they will own the tiebreaker over Georgia and they will be the team going to the SEC championship game, believe it or not. This game, this week, week six, has implications for the entire rest of the season for the Kentucky Wildcats. They haven't been as tested as Georgia, but Kentucky, in my opinion, has been known to be the spoiler of the SEC. And so this time around, I will be picking the Kentucky Wildcats to upend the Georgia Bulldogs, take first place in the SEC East, and put themselves in a position to knock Georgia out of the SEC championship game. What a massive opportunity, and I think that Kentucky's ready for it. I'm picking them to win. PJ and I are going Kentucky in this game against the Georgia Bulldogs. And wouldn't this be a giant bomb that blows up in the center of the college football playoff? With that being said, PJ and I are going to take a step aside for a fast break. When we come back, we will wrap up the show by heading to the NFL and telling you who we have in Week 5 and how we did in our Week 4 predictions. All of that's coming up right after this, where sports meets life on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Avicoli's, located on the corner of Route 57 and Wetzel Road in Liverpool, New York, has been your trusted neighbor for decades. Located just steps from Liverpool High School, we're happy to have the Liverpool Warriors on-site, on-location broadcast at Avicoli's through Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora every single month, featuring student-athletes, coaches, and administration throughout the year from Liverpool High School. Head out to Avicoli's today on the corner of Route 57 and Wetzel Road in Liverpool, New York, open Tuesday through Sunday for lunch, dinner, and drinks. We'd love to see you out there. And of course, you can call them at 315-622-5100 for takeout, delivery, and catering. That's 315-622-5100. And also find them on myavicolis.com. That's myavicolis.com. Having peace of mind when you're out of town 
that your furry loving friend is safe and sound means taking them to canine campground because we all know that when it comes to the love of our pets it goes well beyond the call of duty to make sure they're safe and sound right lily so take a ride to 242 johnson street in east syracuse new york and see canine campground and where your dog will be staying in the classic cabin the executive cabin the grand cabin or of course the luxury cabin because if you know lily you know she loves luxury now you don't have to wait to the last minute to find a family member or a friend that'll take your dog for a few days. Call Canine Campground at 315-299-4013. That's 315-299-4013. Their drop-off and pick-up times are Monday through Sunday. Check caninecampground.com for more information. That's the letter K, the number 9, and campground spelled with a K, dot com. Caninecampground.com. When you're going out of town, bring your dog to Kena Campground. PB and J's Lunchbox, the food truck that you love finding all throughout Central and Upstate New York, now has a street side cafe. So when you're craving their traditional favorites as well as their out of box amazing menu items, you can now head to 663 Old Liverpool Road in Liverpool, New York, located just minutes from the highway, the thruway, Destiny USA, and Onondaga Lake Parkway. PB and J's Lunchbox Street Side Cafe is there for you Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m., serving breakfast, lunch, and and dinner all throughout the day. Get breakfast for dinner, dinner for lunch, whatever you fancy, including their award-winning grilled peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Find them at 663 Old Liverpool Road in Liverpool, New York. PB&J's Lunchbox, where we love to know what's in your lunchbox. This is a special message from 317 at Montgomery restaurant owner Joel Carpenter. Open Tuesday through Saturday for your dining pleasure on 317 Montgomery Street in Syracuse, New York. We wanted to be a part of the resurgence of Syracuse. We saw uh, a lot of money being put into bringing people back downtown and thought that, you know, we'd like to be a part of that. I love putting together a good dish where people see it first, they fall in love with it, and then it tastes just as good as it looks. We want to provide the best food in Syracuse that we possibly can. And we want you to leave here talking to your family, your friends about what you had to eat first and foremost, but also our service and to walk out feeling like you're part of our family. I work out in the front of the house a lot and I love walking to every single table, asking them how everything is and people looking at me and smiling and saying, this is the most amazing short rib I've ever had. This is the most amazing filet I've ever had. And Donna is great. Sarah's amazing. Thank you for coming over and talking to us. And then them just being truly happy for the experience that they've got. 317 at Montgomery Restaurant, part of the fabric of downtown Syracuse, located on 317 Montgomery Street in Syracuse, New York. Open Tuesday through Saturday for a unique and memorable dining experience. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Happy to have you here, hanging out with us every single Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We talk about 
under promise over deliver. And that's exactly what we're doing here on the broadcast this morning as a PJ and I, a Papa Joe joining me every Thursday broadcast to talk about, well, this part of the season, baseball, college football, and the NFL. And of course, we had gone over our college football picks and baseball in hour one and part of hour two. So now we're going to go over to the NFL and take a look at how we fared in week four of the National Football League. So looking back at week four and looking at our picks here, uh, PJ and I went, uh, PJ, pardon me, he went Green Bay, I went Detroit in Thursday night football. So I got that one right. PJ got that wrong. The first London game of the season, we went Jacksonville. We both got that one right. Buffalo defeated Miami in a high scoring game. Miami won 70 to 20 over the Broncos a week before. Buffalo beat Miami 48 to 20. So if this is how it goes, if you hold a team to 20, then you score 20, then that means if we follow the pattern, Buffalo will score 20 and Jacksonville will just have to beat it. If that's, if that's the pattern. So the other side of it too, is some people said that Miami, you know, got, got all their scoring out of the way in that game against Denver. So then they scored less. So maybe Buffalo did that in scoring almost 50. We shall see. Denver beat Chicago in the battle of two teams that could be fighting for the number one pick. So we both got that one wrong. We picked Chicago and then Baltimore over Cleveland. We got that one right. They had little to no issue, 28 to 3. Tennessee over Cincinnati. We thought Cincinnati would be better. Cincinnati has looked rough. But again, like I told everybody, Joe Burrow, if he's not playing at 100%, you cannot expect him to be the Joe Burrow that you know. And that is the issue of rushing guys back. Uh, Joey said, Bulldogs are going to smoke Kentucky, is what is what Joey said here. So he didn't like our pick, and he told PJ that PJ should have some more faith in the Gators. So (laughs) the Rams defeating the Colts uh, in overtime, we both picked the Rams in that game. So we got that one correct. Uh, Next one up here, Tampa Bay defeated New Orleans. We had Tampa Bay defeating New Orleans, so we got that one right. Philadelphia beats Washington in overtime, 34-31. We both had Philly to stay undefeated. Uh, Minnesota over Carolina. We had that game as well, 21 to 13. My number and my grandpa's number. Shout out to Pop Cavino. Pittsburgh lost to the Houston Texans. Houston with another victory and Pittsburgh with another loss. Houston looking pretty good under C.J. Stroud and Pitt looking pretty terrible. The Chargers defeated the Raiders. So we got that one wrong. And then the Dallas Cowboys smoked the Patriots and former running back Zeke Elliott uh, did not do much in that game. San Fran defeated Arizona, so we got that one right as well. Kansas City defeating the Jets barely 23-20 to on a very questionable defensive holding call. And Seattle smokes the Giants as the Giants. The Giants, I think the remedy for the Giants is just for them to never play at home again. Never play in MetLife. Because at MetLife this season, just to let you all know, I want to let you know, the Giants at home this season. They played two games at home, and in those two games, they've been outscored by a combined score of 64-3. to So the Giants should just stop playing at home, and maybe they'll win some more games. PJ, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. PJ goes 11-5 and five this week, or this past week, in our predictions for NFL Week 4, and I go 12-4. and four. So PJ and I stay in 
staying nice here in our NFL predictions. Uh, got some good records going on here. So PJ once again going eleven and five, and my record of twelve and four coming off of week four here. And now it's time to make our week five picks, PJ. Let me bring you right into the week five, and we'll finish off talking about the Jaguars. Thursday night football happening tonight. Chicago Bears at the Washington Commanders. What do you have for this one, PJ? Well, after watching Justin Fields play a little bit last week, I thought maybe he was making good good headway, but no, he's not. I think Washington uh, uh, wins this game at home. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Commanders in this one just because of the fact that uh, they're at home. I don't I don't feel great about either one of these teams, but I think Washington has done some good things over these last couple seasons under Ron Rivera. So I'm going to give them the slight edge being at home. Jacksonville at Buffalo. We will swing back around to Jacksonville, but they got two games in London for the first time ever. Back to back games. They played more games in London than any of the other 31 NFL franchises. The Jaguars have played two this season, one as a road game, one as a home game. This is considered one of the road games they're giving up to Buffalo. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London is where they are. They were at Wembley last week. They won that game 23-7 over the Falcons. Now they face off against the Buffalo Bills. The Jacksonville Jaguars are back to 500 at 2-2, two and, two, and the Buffalo Bills are 3-1. and one. PJ, the Buffalo Bills have scored no less than 37 points in each of the last three weeks after falling 22-16 to to the Jets in week one on the road against that New York team at MetLife Stadium. The Jacksonville Jaguars, well, they've had a little bit different of a season. They have a sandwich that the bread is good, but the meat is bad. The bread, the Colts and the Falcons, are victories. In between that, those two slices of bread are two old, gray-looking pieces of bologna against the Chiefs and the Texans. Who wins this game? Uh, I think we're gonna. I think, I think we're gonna come down to, to earth on this one, Daniel. I don't think that Jacksonville can stay with Buffalo. I, I this is a this is a game they're gonna have to outscore, uh, and I don't think they can do that. I think Buffalo is just too good right now. I hope that we're wrong because we both love our Jags, but. I'm going to have to say in this matchup that, to me, I, I'm going to have to go Buffalo because I just think that Buffalo is the better team. I think they're the more consistent scoring team. Not that Jacksonville doesn't have the talent to score, but Jacksonville has been doing this thing this season where they're not living up to their potential. So in that case, I'm going to go with PJ, and I'm going to pick the Buffalo Bills to win this matchup. But like I said, I hope that we're both wrong in this, and I hope the Jaguars do something here. Jacksonville is playing against a team in Buffalo where you're showing what you look like against the upper echelon of the AFC. How they play in this game could directly affect the entire rest of their season. This isn't the Buffalo with Nathan Peterman and Tyrod Taylor. This is the Buffalo with Josh Allen. This is the Buffalo that still believes that they can go out there and win a Super Bowl. And I don't think they're completely wrong in that respect. Got to go through teams like Kansas City, though. So we'll look at it, and we'll watch this, and we'll have fun. 
but I think the Buffalo Bills are going to have the edge in this matchup seeing how they played so far and seeing how Jacksonville has not risen to have a complete three phases playing positively for four weeks. They've had two good games and they've had two games that make you wonder what's going on offensively. And in the Houston game, what went on defensively, if they can put it all together, they can beat Buffalo, but they got to put it all together in order for that to happen. I got the Buffalo bills, Houston and Atlanta, PJ Atlanta hasn't played terrible. Houston's played well above what people think they thought they were going to do going into the season. Who wins the game? Well, I'm CJ Stroud is making a believer out of me. I, I, you know, I badmouth uh, uh, Ohio State quarterbacks over the years because they just they don't they don't play quarterback uh, at Ohio State. I don't know what they do over there, but it seems like the, the players that come from from uh, quarterback do over there in Ohio State just don't play very well. But he's He's one that is playing well, and he's uh, maybe he is playing above his above his capabilities. But the fact is, he's he's tall, he's strong, he doesn't run, which is good, and he's got a big arm. And uh, Texas, these these kids can spoil some things along the way here. And uh, I think that uh, that because of that, and I think the way CJ is playing, I think that uh, I think that they deserve the, the nod over Atlanta here. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the like you said it. I'm just going to echo that. You know, I, I think it's I think it's pretty simple here. Houston's offense is moving better than they've moved in many years, and that is many thanks to what C.J. Stroud has been doing here. So I got to give Stroud the credit. He's been playing well. He is the best rookie quarterback of the class that we've had so far this season. He has been the class of the class of the 2023 quarterbacks. And so I think uh, Houston takes care of Atlanta. Their defense has been awful for a very long time. Carolina at Detroit, PJ, does Carolina have any hope or is the number one overall pick Bryce Young eventually going to have to take a seat? Well, you look at, you look at the two quarterbacks that we're talking about here, uh, Bryce Young and, and CJ Stroud. And uh, what a difference. I mean, we, you and I were talking about, what Bryce Young could bring to the to the table, and uh, but he's small, you know, he's not a very big guy. Stroud is six five; he's got a big arm. So I think maybe all the pundits that are, uh, you know, putting down CJ and putting up uh, Bryce is are wrong. Uh, I think I think he's got a big learning curve to learn, and he's he's not going to do it against Detroit because Detroit can score. Yeah, PJ going with the Detroit Lions. I'm going with Detroit as well. Detroit only has one one uh, red mark on their schedule so far that they uh, they have that one loss. I think Detroit, I picked them to win their division this year. And they, I mean, they've beaten the Chiefs, the Falcons, and the Packers. Two of those games on the road, the Falcons was at home. They lost to the Seahawks at home 37-31. to They're a good team. They're a strong team. And I think Detroit has the opportunity to continue to get better. And David Montgomery coming from Chicago has played phenomenal for the Lions. He's one of the top running backs in the country right now. Tennessee at Indianapolis, PJ. Ryan Tannehill up against Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson hasn't been that bad. The former Gator. What do you have for this game? Yeah, go Gators. Um, he got hurt a little bit. I'm, I'm glad he uh, he's back, though. But uh, he's got so much talent. Uh, he did. You know, when you look at, he's a big guy, obviously, a big, big man. I mean, he's he's bigger than Stroud. He's not as tall as Stroud, but he's big. I mean, 
he's like a middle linebacker playing quarterback, and I've said that several times. He um, he can win this game probably on his own, uh, but he's going to need a lot of help. I think that I think that Anthony can play good in this league, and I think it starts this week. Yeah, I, I got to go with the the Colts in this one too. I mean, the Colts are at home, so I feel better about that scenario for them. And so I'm going to go Indy as well in this matchup. I just feel like you know they're gonna they're gonna do enough here. I'm not I'm not worried about the Indianapolis Colts in this matchup. Tennessee has been rather awful this season so far, and we'll look to see if they try to make any change. At quarterback, if the offense continues to sputter. Next one that we have up here, PJ, is going to take us to Miami. The New York Giants, who cannot seem to score the ball. But like I said, they're really, really bad at home. Now they're going to Miami. I think the best part of this game for the New York Giants is that they'll be in nice weather. What's your thoughts? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Miami really looks good the last several weeks, so. The Giants got a little bulletin board material with their coach yelling at Daniel Jones and all that kind of stuff. You know, you just, you don't, you don't make that kind of stuff public, you know. It, it doesn't give the, your quarterback or even your offensive coordinator any kind of credit at all. I mean, right. sure things need to go wrong, but you just don't cuss anyone out in the middle of it. Uh, because of that, Miami wins. Yeah, I have the Miami Dolphins in this one as well. I'm not. I'm not worried at all about Miami in this game. I, I feel like Miami will be more than fine in this matchup. I mean, they're playing the Giants, and they obviously know how to score. So I'm going with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, no worries for me in this one. And watch, now the Giants will make it a game. But Miami should be okay. The new I put it to you like this, Giants. At least you get to go to the beach after you lose. The New Orleans Saints at the New England Patriots. What do you have for this one, PJ? Well, New England can't be as bad as they were last week. I mean, the grumpy lobster bowl captain has really got some problems over there. But I don't think it's Mac Jones. I, I don't, and, and certainly not as often as coordinator Bill O'Brien. I mean, O'Brien is a, is a class guy, and for some reason, he and Mac haven't gelled this year. Uh, and I don't know what the, the grumpy lobster bowl captain can do about it. Uh, you're not going to bench your quarterback. I don't think he'll do that. Uh, maybe he'll get more involved with playing uh, calling plays or something like that. But I think uh, he'll he'll keep a keen eye on Jones and O'Brien this this week. And if they don't score, uh, there may be some changes down the road. I, I like New England in this game at home. You know, well, you got to look at this too. Uh, you know, after getting benched, uh, we look at uh, Bailey Zappi came out here. And, uh, and and we'll see what goes on from here. There was a – I want to look at this here for a second. After getting benched in the third quarter of that loss to the Dallas Cowboys, uh, Patriots quarterback Mac Jones had a message for Bailey Zappi. And uh, Jones explained that he and Zappi, who aren't perceived as, as having the best relationship, uh, that they always talk on the sidelines. In this situation, uh, handing Zappi the baton in a lopsided game I gave a piece of advice. Uh, he said, just go out and sling it. At the end of the day, we were down by a lot, so it's a tough position. So that's an end quote here. Now, the sling it thing, I'll look back in history. That's what Drew Bledsoe told Tom Brady to do, allegedly, was go out there and sling it. So, you know, some people looking at this and saying, is this a foreshadowing 
We shall see. But, uh, you know, the Patriots, Bailey Zappi. Hey, you know what, PJ? I got some Bailey Zappi rookie cards. So if he goes out there and kicks some tail, I got something to sell at the next show. New Orleans, I'm going with New Orleans. I know you're going with New England, but I got to go with New Orleans in this one. I, you know, New Orleans playing, uh, to me, they're playing better football right now, and it's not even close. So I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints. And, uh, you know, they have Elvin Kamara back as well. So I think that's helpful. Uh, Baltimore at Pittsburgh, a bone bruise for Kenny Pickett. And the team has been all types of bruised as far as how they played so far. Baltimore has been playing like they want to go back to the playoffs. What do you have for this one, PJ? Um, Pittsburgh has quarterback problems. That's for sure. Uh, I thought Pickett was the answer last year. I, I still think he can, can lead the team. But there's some undue criticism on Mike Tomlin. I I, I, I don't like people to, to do that. Uh, Mike Tomlin is one of my favorite people, period. Uh, he's a hell of a coach. He's a good man, good Christian man. And he, he doesn't he doesn't deserve to jump to people and start dumping on him. Oh, get rid of this guy, get rid of this guy. You know, you don't you don't do that. You don't not to not to a guy like Mike Mike Tomlin. Yeah. Um Baltimore he can't Mike can't win this game. <laughs> But he can give uh, Kenny Pickett maybe a little bit more help. Baltimore easy. Yeah, I don't have any uh, worry or concern about this one for the Baltimore Ravens. I have them winning this game without too much of an issue uh, whatsoever. And I'm going to go ahead and just do this with my finger now. So I was trying to have it with a pen, but we'll go ahead and do it with my finger. Baltimore Ravens uh, winning this matchup. Uh, Listen, Baltimore has played well. Baltimore looks like, I mean, they're playing like a playoff team. They're fighting like heck and moving the ball forward. Zay Flowers, who I think could be sleeper of the year in fantasy football, is kicking some tail. Guy I interviewed from Boston College and I'm a big fan of. So I got the Baltimore Ravens. Pittsburgh hasn't taken care of home field, and I don't think they do in this one. Philadelphia at the Rams, PJ. Does Philly stay undefeated or do the Rams continue to do some good things here and potentially impress. Keep in mind, uh, Matty Stafford, a lot of people wrote him off, but man's playing pretty darn good without Cooper Cup and no more Cam Akers. Puka Nakua, the rookie wide receiver, has been kicking tail out there and leading the country in certain categories. So what do you have for Philadelphia at the Rams? This is uh, this is my star game of the week right here. This is, uh, is going to be a good game. I like the Rams, uh, mainly because I think that Matthew can probably pull it through. Uh, certain Jalen Hurts will do his good stuff like he always does. I just don't think that their defense is, is good enough to stop Grant Snapper. Yeah, you know, I'm going to go with Philly in this game, but I, I fully am in that upstate. Uh, uh, you know, I, I'm in that, uh, that alert here, that upset alert here for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. But I'm going to go with the Eagles in the matchup. They're also playing on the West Coast as an East Coast team, and that's not easy. Cincinnati at Arizona, PJ. Do the Cincinnati Bengals with a non-fully healthy Joe Burrow continue to lose? What happens here? Because I feel like this is like Jacob deGrom with the Mets from a few years back. You're playing a guy who's injured. You're playing a guy who's not 100%. You're playing a guy who obviously should probably be rehabbing and getting better. So my question to you is, should they – I mean, obviously I want to know who you're picking to win the Bengals at the Cardinals game, but 
Should Joe Burrow even be playing right now, or are they doing to Joe Burrow what the Mets did with Jacob deGrom, is continue to push an injured player until you eventually have to have him sit down for multiple weeks or the rest of the season. I just feel like we're going to get to a point with Joe Burrow where he's going to be out three to five weeks because they won't let him sit and let him rehab and let him get healthy. What are your thoughts? Uh, you know, I'm a big Joe Burrow fan, and I, I, I think that they got to really tread lightly here. Uh, I think if they keep it simple, uh, maybe he can't set and throw because of his bad leg, uh, hamstring. But uh, if he, they can keep it simple, swing out wide, screen passes, things like that, maybe they can go down the field and, and eat up the clock. Uh, Arizona's in just a bad shape with quarterbacks too, but Joe Burrow's got too much class to lose this game, I think. Yeah, I mean, listen, Arizona's been playing really good football in in certain cases here. You know, their record may not show it, but with Josh Dobbs, I think a lot of people thought that they were just going to lay down on the ground and let everybody walk on them. They're one in three, but they beat the Cowboys. They they scored almost 20 points against the Niners. They lost to the Giants in a closely close contest, and they lost to the Commanders in a close contest. So, I mean, do I think that Arizona can win this game? I do. It's at Arizona, but I'm going to give the slight edge to Cincinnati in this matchup and just hope that Joe Burrow can get healthy here. You know, I mean, this is the thing that I'm really concerned about is if they continue to play him, are they going to lose him? Which is exactly what I don't want. You know, you force him to play these weeks and then you don't have him for the rest of the season or, like I said, three to five weeks, and now you're not going to the playoffs. So, what was the point of that? So they only have one backup quarterback on the 53-man roster, though, and that's something that they have to look to as well. Hopefully he can get better, and like you said, hopefully they can keep it simple for Joe Burrow and they can win this game and get out of Arizona without him having to do too much. The Jets at the Broncos. The Jets' defense, arguably the best in the country. Their offense, looking better. Zach Will- I should say Zach Wilson's looking better because there were some drops on offense. The Denver Broncos, they're awful. But as I said it before, and I'll say it again, I'm so happy for you all to finally realize, after dogging my man, disrespecting him, and trying to drag his good name through the dirt, you know something this morning, and yesterday morning, and the morning before that, and that is that the Denver Broncos were never a Nate Hackett problem The Denver Broncos had a problem beyond anything that was going on with the head coach. Nate Hackett was blamed for everything in Denver. And now you people know that that was 1,000 billion percent false. It wasn't a Nate Hackett problem. It was a Bronco problem. Jets at Broncos, PJ. What do you got? Yeah, this is, uh, frankly, this is an even game. I uh, I know it's being at Denver. Um, Zach... Zach Wilson showed something last week, and he got a lot of kudos for it. Uh, there's nothing wrong with him, man. The kid was an outstanding college quarterback. <laughs> he had a decent first year. Look at the kid. There's nothing wrong with the kid. Just let him play. Make it easy for him. Uh, I like the Jets. Yeah, I got the Jets in this matchup, too. I, I, I really honestly think the Jets uh, could be turning a positive corner here. I love the fact that Zach Wilson at the end of this game, that his teammates came around him and were supporting him and lifting him up. That says a lot about what he has done and the respect that he's gained from his teammates this season here. 
And, uh, and I love that. I loved seeing that really good defense getting around your quarterback. Now let's see what the jets can do. I think this could be a huge, huge uh, boost for them. And they're playing the right team at this time, right? To get that boost. They're playing a Broncos team. That's absolutely just fighting for the number one pick at this point, Kansas city at Minnesota, PJ, what do you got? Well, I think, uh, we saw Joe, uh, uh, Kansas City not fully up to potential last week. Um, I think if Kirk Cousins gets hot here, this could be a ball game. Uh, but the Mahomes kid is just so magical that uh, he can he throw. He gets he throws the ball from upside down sometimes. I don't know how he does it, but uh, I think if KC can put the the pressure on um, the Minnesota quarterback, I think that the, uh, this game should be over early. Uh, but Kirk Cousins is a formidable opponent. I mean, he's sure he's older now. He's getting not quite as slow as he was, but uh, not as fast as he was, I should say. Yeah. Uh, KC could win this game easy. Yeah, I got Kansas City in this matchup as well, winning the game. Listen, you know, I, I think there's a lot of talent with Minnesota. Justin Jefferson is still leading the country right now. He's on pace to be a 2,000-yard receiver this year, and he's got to catch the ball from someone so for those of you that continue to say that Kirk Cousins is trash, well, then why is his receiver the number one receiving yard gainer in the country through four weeks? Minnesota's a good team. They're a lot better than they get credit for. However, Kansas City, I think, is a better team. And these tickets are lowest price, $172. But they are not the most expensive cheap ticket. Those two reside in Sunday and Monday night football. If you want to go to the Dallas Cowboys at San Francisco 49ers game on Sunday night football on the West Coast, the lowest price ticket right now is $287. PJ, and this is week five. This is no playoff game. This is week five, baby. Cowboys Niners. This is a playoff game. game Well, and this is the thing. The Dallas Cowboys and the Niners have played it. Well, and here's the Uh, thing. The Niners and the Cowboys have played the last two playoffs, and the Niners have gotten the Cowboys number both times. Do the Niners get a victory over Dallas, or do Dak and the crew come in and do them boys put them whooping on the 49ers? I think that San Francisco's game plan, their offensive game plan, is is so sharp, but they're they're giving pretty – uh, the, the plays he likes to make, and they get the best running back receiver combination in the in the league. McCaffrey, uh, I think that they can they can score certainly at will, and I think that uh, they can make this a ball control game uh, and sort of they keep Zach on the sideline. Uh, I like San Francisco in a very close matchup. Yeah, you know, I, I'm going to pick San Francisco in this game as well, but I agree with you that I think it's going to be close. This might be the best primetime game that we've seen this season. Normally, these Sunday and Monday night games have been snoozers, except for that Jets game. That Jets game was really good against the Kansas City Chiefs here recently on Sunday night football. Beyond that, they've they've all been low scoring. And in the third quarter, you're like, when is this game going to get started? And we're three quarters of the way through the game. San Fran and Dallas, best game that I've seen yet for primetime. And I think that this one will come down to the wire. I'm going to say 38-31, 38-35, somewhere in that region. High scoring. San Francisco gets over the Cowboys. 
maybe by a safety or a field goal at the end of the game. Green Bay at Vegas. What do you have for this one, PJ? Uh, I'm still not sold on the Packers. I'm still mad at those guys up there. Uh, I sort of, I sort of like Las Vegas. This is a close game too. This is, this really is won't be a very good football team. I like Las Vegas. Yeah, the the Raiders at home have an opportunity to have who be their quarterback? Aiden O'Connell. Where did Aiden O'Connell play last year? Purdue. Who played Purdue last season? Syracuse. Who beat Purdue last season? Syracuse. Why do I mention that? Because I told you that Syracuse played a better schedule than people gave him credit for at the beginning of the season, and I told you that we would see Aiden O'Connell in the NFL. And Aiden O'Connell has an opportunity to have his first ever start just a few weeks into his rookie season. Who am I selecting for this game? I'm going to select Aiden O'Connell and the home Raiders in this game to get the victory. I'm going with Vegas. Vegas, if you if I lose this game because I selected you, I might never select you for the rest of the year because you've done me dirty a couple times. So we'll see what happens in this one. But I'm going to go with the Vegas Raiders in this matchup to win the game. I'm not sold on Green Bay either. However, I do think that Jordan Love is better than people give him credit for. And I think they've had a better start than people give him credit for. Let's see if, if, if Green Bay can do anything with this game. I will say this, though. No matter what Green Bay does right, they're playing in a division that the keys right now belong to the Detroit Lions. And anybody who doesn't know that is not watching football correctly. So I'm going to go with the Raiders. PJ, really quick here, I want to get your thoughts on the Jacksonville Jaguars and how you feel like the team has been doing through four weeks. Well, they have to be competitive this week, Daniel. I mean, they have to, they have to be smart. Uh, they got to have the ball control offense. They've got to keep the ball out of uh, Josh Allen's hand. Uh, they just can't let him run up and down the field and, and score it well. Uh, I think that ETN and Hank Bixby are going to uh, be a big part of this ball game. Uh, tight end, maybe, uh, a little flare here and there. They've got to keep the ball out of Josh Allen's hand. In order to do that, Lawrence has to be smart with the ball. you got to make it real simple. But he's got to get his backs involved. And Ryan, they need a few seven and eight-minute drives in order to win this game. They don't. It's going to be a long game. Yeah, yeah. I think this team is going to be in some trouble uh, this week. And it's only fitting that we go on the prowl when we talk about this. So let me put that up there for you. So, PJ, your catalyst for this game. Let's go offense, defense, and special teams. Who are your Jacksonville Jaguars catalysts for this matchup against the Bills in London? Offense? Offense, I defense, think, and special teams. Okay, I think, I think um, just what I said, I think Lawrence has to control the, ball, control the game. they got to have long drives. they got to use Etienne and Tank Bixby uh, and Will, maybe carry the ball 30 times between them. Uh, Use the tight end a little bit. Uh, if he's got a shot down the field with one of his speedsters, especially Kelvin Ridley, then do it. But you got to control the clock. 
you keep the ball out of Josh Allen's hand. In special teams, it's the same thing. If 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 uh, Buffalo scores at will, then somewhere, someone in the special teams may have to run the ball back to good field position, maybe even bust one. Uh, that's that's where I see that. It's defense, uh, defense is um, the two the two wideout guys, Josh Allen and his buddy Trevon. They got to control the game. They got to control the defense. They got to stay in their lanes. Don't let Josh Allen get outside the pocket. Just keep make him read. Make him read. Don't make him improvise. Because if he improvises, he's going to score at will too. So those are my three deals. Yeah, I would say for on the prowl, my Jacksonville Jaguars coverage here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. My offensive catalyst is Trevor Lawrence. He's got to make better decisions than he's made in prior weeks. He's going to have to be better in the red zone. He's going to have to be almost perfect in the red zone. They have to come away with some points, touchdowns more than field goals. So I'm going to put that on Trevor Lawrence for sure, uh, that that he's got to have better decision-making. And I would also say, in the backfield, Travis Etienne and Tank Bigsby. I would like to see the uh, offense utilize them more and have a better one-two punch with them. I want to see Tank Bigsby go between the tackles, and I want to see Travis Etienne go outside. I think if they do that, they could be two catalysts to help them win this matchup. Beyond that, I, I do want to uh, look on the defensive side of the ball. And, hey, the last time the Jaguars played the Bills, it was Josh Allen versus Josh Allen. And I got to tell you that uh, the Jaguars, Josh Allen, people finally were like, oh, there's another Josh Allen. Oh, maybe we should give some credit to this Josh Allen. So I think that, you know, he's got to come out here and play a game like he played against him before when he had such a notable game that people were actually paying attention to that Josh Allen. And at the same time, he's coming off of a three sack game. So you have to look at that, too, with the Jaguars, Josh Allen as a catalyst. And then the other one that I would make mention of on special teams, Jamal Agnew. Hopefully he's healthy and ready to go for the return game. If not, then I hope that they put the right person uh, back there to be able to make some good moves and do some good things. You know, I think that uh, maybe, maybe they put back there Christian Kirk. We'll see, but they need him in the offense. He's another catalyst offensively. But I think, you know, Jacksonville's got to be good on the return game. They got to make smart decisions, great field position. They got a good punter in Logan Cook, and they have a good kicker in Brandon McManus, who's got to be able to make those big time field goals. So ultimately, I think on special teams, I'm going to say catalyst is the return game because you got to make sure you, you create some opportunities for your offense. And you got to be able to help out your defense there when you're punting the ball away. And hopefully they're not punting that much. With that being said, PJ, I want to thank you for being a part of today's broadcast as always. And I cannot wait to watch these games with you for college football, the NFL, as well as watching the upcoming divisional series that we have for the two on the AL side and two on the NL side. And my polls are up. So you can feel free to vote in them. We just put the National League ones up. But, PJ, I want to let you know here, in the early polling, we have the Astros over the Twins and who will win their ALDS matchup. 66.7% going Astros, 33.3% going Twins. And the same, and in the uh, Orioles-Rangers, 66.7% saying Orioles, 33.3% saying Rangers. And who had the most disappointing season 
in the American League, 66.7% say Yankees, 33 and a third say Red Sox. Nobody says Tigers or Angels. And who had the worst season disappointment-wise in the National League? 53.8% say the Mets, but a close race here as 46.2% of you say the Padres. Nobody said the Giants and nobody said the Pirates thus far. So with that being said, early polling is up. Vote in our polls on X, the former Twitter, at CallDT, that's C-A-L-L-D-T. And Papa Joe, thanks as always. I can't wait to enjoy some more baseball and football with you. Okay, see you later. Take care. Uh, Coming from Papa Joe here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets that thing called life. And I want to thank you all for being a part of extended time here on the show here today. You can watch and listen to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora by going to youtube.com backslash wakeupcalldt, facebook.com backslash wakeupcalldt as well, and on wakeupcalldt.podbean.com Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. You can also hang out with us on our feeds here. So once the show goes live, you can go back and check out our podcasting platforms. We are in so many places, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Player FM, Podbean, Podchaser, Podvine, Spotify, TuneIn, YouTube, and more. All you have to do is search Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora or one word, Wake Up Call DT. A big time thanks to our incredible partners, Carvel DeWitt, Watman Paz, Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory, the Wildcat Sports Pub, GG Cards and Breaks, Chick-fil-A Cicero and Chick-fil-A Clay, Canine Camp Dog Daycare, 317 at Montgomery Street, who is extending for another month their Taste of Mexico Burger with their homemade tortilla chips, homemade queso, homemade pico on top of their original Smash Burger, which in and of itself is already incredible. Get it at 317 Montgomery Street, downtown Syracuse today. Avacoli's, Canine Campground Dog Boarding, PB&J's Lunchbox, Pizza Man, Great Lakes Honda City, Mother's Cupboard, and of course, we are the exclusive multimedia marketing partner of your. The Moyne College Dolphins, it's fins up every single month on Wake Up Call. Hanging out with the Dolphins, where sports meets life. In our exclusive multimedia marketing partnership, you will find the Dolphins with us on Wednesdays during Dolphin Time, where I have the opportunity every first and third Wednesday for AD&DT with Athletics Director Bob Beretta and myself, Dan Tortora, speaking on pertinent topics of that month. And the Dolphin Dive, second and fourth Wednesday of each month, speaking on topics with student athletes, coaches, administration, future Dolphins, and alumni. We just had a trio of specials under promise over deliver with the Lemoyne Dolphins men's soccer team coming off of their historic first ever win as a division one program and first ever win in the NEC, the new conference that they're in, in division one. You can check out all of our content by going to youtube.com backslash wake up call DT and clicking subscribe. And of course, going to our playlist on our YouTube channel, which says Lemoyne. You can click right on it and get our shows throughout the years and make sure you do that today. For more information, go to LemoyneDolphins.com. As always, fins up.
The Brian and Stratton College Bobcats of Syracuse are exclusive multimedia marketing partners with Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. You can find your Bobcats every single month throughout the year with men's and women's soccer, men's and women's basketball, as well as esports and baseball. You can find your Bobcats with us on youtube.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Click subscribe and you will find our BSC Syracuse tab for our playlist on our YouTube channel as well. Every single month bringing you the Bobcat buzz with a spotlight on the Brian and Stratton College Bobcats of Syracuse, unlike anything they've ever had before. For more information, go to syracuse.bscbobcats.com. And as always, go Bobcats. The Alfred University Saxons are exclusive multimedia marketing partners with Wake.